BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hi, this is Terry Luce of the Ben Quaid White, and you're listening to Talking Metal. I mean, this is a really, really good podcast. I love it. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now, your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and on today's episode, we have Terry Lewis of Great White. We're going to be talking with him. We're going to be talking with Chris Sinzak of the Decibel Geek Podcast, and also one of the co-founders of the Rock and Pod Expo, which is happening this August, August 26th, in Nashville. Talking Metal will be there. We hope you join us. Yes. And as my co-host, the co-founder of Talking Metal... And Ace's main man. Do you like that? Ace's main man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I like John it. Ostronomy. John, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm a little tired. I still haven't recovered from the Ramstein concert on Sunday, and yeah. it is now Thursday. So it's, it's four or five days later, and uh, I am still... Uh, not yet recovered. But uh, yeah, it's a great, great Out show. Beach, um, which is right on the ocean, right? Yes, yeah, it was was excellent. Um, I can uh, fill you guys in on that uh, once yeah. we get moving here with the podcast. Yeah, let's come back in, in a little bit and we'll talk all about the the concert you attended. We can. Uh, I'm trying to think. I I've been to a couple concerts, like not metal stuff though. I was at Tears for Fears, Hall and Oates, and uh, saw you two last night. All good shows. Wow, but that's not, cool. Not really. Uh, I think Romstein probably fits into our format format here on Talking Metal a little <laughs> bit more than. My my recent shows. I got going back to see Maiden. By the way, I wanted to tell you, I was thinking of going down oh, to cool. join you at the Ace and Rat concert in Florida, but um, Emily and I decided to to go see Maiden when they come back through uh, through Brooklyn uh, on July twenty second. So yeah, let's let's uh, let's catch up with John in just a second. But right now, let's get into some music. Uh, Terry from Great White is on the show, and he has quite a history. He also has two great new records out. One is a great white record, and one is 
another record that he put out a solo not not exactly solo because he has all these great musicians on the record with him but it's called uh the gypsy dreams record uh and it's just great stuff it's like flamenco versions of of metal and rock songs it's uh just a fantastic listen uh, we're gonna hear all about that and terry's gonna tell us all about that record the gypsy dreams record and the new great white record called full, full circle but right now let's get into his old band this goes way back to 1989 this is xyz the song is inside out on talking metal
Hey, that was Inside Out by XYZ featuring Terry, who is on the show, also yeah. from Great White. And that, that song right there, produced by Don Dockin, which is, uh, cool. is kind of interesting because, you know, XYZ was, that was, I believe, I want to say that was off their first record back in 1989. Don produced that. And if you go back, Don produced the very first Great White record too which is is wow is wild and when we just saw jack russell you and i saw him down in in maryland recently um when when dockin played their set at m3 jack russell came out and sang a little bit of alone again with don so definitely a great white connection connection with 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 Jack and with Terry, and uh, you know, I we talk about Jack in this interview with with Terry. It's it's kind of uh, interesting. There's some great great talk on Great White. There's some great talk on flamenco music. So let's um, let's get into this right now, and then a little bit later, we're going to hear from Chris Sinzak of the Decibel Geek Podcast, who also is the organizer, one of uh, a, a few organizers of this. Rock and Pod Expo. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that, and we're also going to hear John talk about Ramstein. Yeah, Ramstein or Ram. Do I? Say, yeah, I, don't I say it right. You but. might be no. You might be saying it properly. It could be Ramstein, Ramstein. Uh, I always say I pronounce it slightly different, and it's my own pronunciation, Ramstein. But I think it's really Ramstein. Um, could be Stein. I don't know, but uh, I think. Uh, in the song, when they they say the word Ramstein, they go Ramstein like that. So we're me and you pronounce it uh, both slightly differently, <laughs> right. Right but uh, I, whatever. It, yeah, it was great. So let's uh, yeah, let's, let's uh, get into uh, the interview with yeah, a little, uh, little Great White to lead us in. How about that? Perfect. It sounds good. Yeah, this is called Big Time. It's new Great White. It's off the Full Circle record here on Talking Metal. Then we're going to hear from Terry.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and calling in on the line, the singer of Great White, Terry Luis. How are you, Terry? I'm doing great. How about you, Mark? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us on Talking Metal, and thank you for giving us a bunch of great new music kind of right at the same time. We have your solo record, which is, I think, came out at the end of April, still brand new. Gypsy yes. Dreams, yeah. and and also, of course, the new Great White. But let's let's start with Gypsy Dreams because this is a really interesting record, and I, I got to tell you, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, they're they're familiar Thank songs you. that I know from people like I mean, big big variety of of bands: you have Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, Peter Gabriel, Boys of Summer, one of my all time favorite songs by Don Henley, and and you do such cool versions of these songs. And flamenco style, right? Right, exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, I would say Spanish flamenco style. Yes, correct. And yeah. is where? How did this all come about? Like, how did you decide to do this? I mean, this is the kind of music. Like, when I go into a restaurant for dinner with my wife or something, I want I want to hear you <laughs> playing there. Like, I, I just it sounds so good. It's got an intimate vibe, you right. know. Like, like it's something I'd right. love to hear, like in a small club or even like a restaurant. Um, how did this all come about? Where did the idea to do this come from? Well, first, Mark, you should know that I'm from Europe, of course, and I. Uh, I grew up in France and Spain as well. Uh, Spain was mostly uh, Barcelona and the south of Spain, uh, Malaga, you know, all that stuff. Right. So um, my parents, um, being uh, both French and Spanish, my dad was from Spain and my mom is from France. So um, uh, we, I used to go to on vacation all the time uh, in Spain every year. We used to go to, to Malaga, uh, Madrid, you know, all those places, you know. And uh, my stepdad and my mom used to take me to uh, to events where uh, flamenco players used to play. You know, you know, they play at bars or restaurants or in the streets or at gypsy gatherings. You know, very informal places. You know, and um, I remember listening to them play and like, oh my god, I love that sound. I love the the way they sing and the, the way they dance. It's amazing. Blah blah blah. Anyway, of course, I was not able to do that uh, when I was much younger because, you know, I I didn't study that kind of music. I went into rock, rock right. music, and I went into, I went into Zeppelin and, and Deep Purple and Peter Gabriel and all those good guys, you know. And uh, one day I, I heard uh, some musicians uh, in Los Angeles were doing uh, some kind of a, a mixture of, of, of pop. I would say flamenco. They were playing flamenco. They were really good guitar players. And I heard them play, and I said, oh, my God, this is great. I said, hey, would you be interested in doing a, a song? I have a song in mind. And uh, they said, which one? I said, Heaven and Hell. And they said, sure. So um, Luis Vegas and Ben Woods right. and I, we sat down together, and uh, we started playing one song, Heaven and Hell. And then we we did a, 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 an appearance at a concert. They were playing somewhere, and I decided to sing that Heaven and Hell song. And the response from the audience was Pretty outstanding to be to be uh, to be to be honest. I mean, I don't want to be pretentious, but it, it, let's just say that the audience was very happy with it. Right. And I realized right away that I had something. I said, hmm, I think I have something different. Nobody has done that before. A mixture of pop and and flamenco and and, and uh, you know a, a little bit of all that stuff together. And I said I should do an album, and it's exactly what I did. 
Yeah, it's great stuff. And you have uh, some real talented players on the record with you. Um, yeah. I know Louise plays uh, the flamenco guitar. Is Are there other flamenco guitar players on the album with sure. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Luis is, Luis Viegas is, is a top-notch uh, Spanish uh, flamenco uh, guitar player. Very well-known because he was Grammy-nominated, so he's, he's a very, very good guitar player. But along with him, I had uh, Ben Woods, uh, a fantastic very gifted guitar player. Um, don't get fooled by the names. He may have an American name, but he spent right. a lot of time in Spain studying with the, the best of the best. And uh, so he, he's very talented. And um, also with him, I have uh, uh, Jose Garcia, uh, a very well-known um, Mexican guitar player, singer. Um, and on bass, I have Mike Paganini, who's a very well-known bass player who plays with everyone. And uh, Jesse Stern, who's played with, uh, uh, my God, all the, the creme de la creme de, the, of the uh, Spanish world. So I had some great uh, musicians. And um, on on the percussions, of course, I had uh, Chris Trujillo, who's played in Shaka Khan, Toto, wow. and, uh, and Al Velasquez also, and uh, Mike Bennett also. So I had some really good uh, musicians, very well known in the music community. And... Um, it was an honor to, to to have them on the album, actually. And and where did you find these guys? Like, are you tied? Were you kind of tied into that scene, or did you have to put out feelers to find these guys? Did you know these guys? <laughs> you put an ad on the recycle on the Craigslist, right? The guitar player, no. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so right. We, uh, Louis, uh, Louis had the, that connection. Louis is my connection. Louis is the. Uh, the musical director here. So he knew all those guys and he said, Hey, uh, how about bringing another guy? I'm like, and who? He said, uh, Chris, Chris Trujillo. I'm like, he, he's great. He's played with everyone. It's a percussion. Said, yeah, man. why not? You know, and I trusted, I trusted him. And then I, I met with Chris. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's brilliant. And then the same thing for Al, Al Velasquez. Same for, for, uh, Jose Garcia. You know, when I was looking for another guitar player, singer, Luis said, well, you know what? I know this guy from Mexico, man. He's an amazing guitar player and an amazing singer. I said, really? He said, yes, yeah, exactly what I'm looking for because uh, I needed another voice in the band. So uh, Jose is perfect. So he sings very, very well. So now it's a, it's a connection, you know? I mean, it, you know, the music scene, scene is actually pretty small in Los Angeles. I know LA is a big city, but the music scene itself is pretty small. We all know each other. We all know, oh, yeah, yeah, I know I know your cousin, yeah, I know your mama, so we all know each other. So. <laughs> right, right. Cool. And we should mention, too, N- Natalie, can you tell us a little bit about her uh, vocals? Yeah, Natalie that... Government, uh, she, she is, um, now, I was looking for a, a, a backup vocalist, uh, Natalie. I was looking for, for a great backup vocalist, and uh, I wanted to add a different sound to the album. Because, you see, I like, to, I like to, to mix different things. Like, if you notice... Some of the songs are more pop. Some of the songs are more uh, metal, but we give them a little twist. Um, so I, I thought it was a good idea to mix uh, flamenco guitars with a little bit of uh, of uh, country. Believe it or not, her voice is very country. She comes from a country background. And I thought it was a good idea to bring that sound, right. uh, to bring a more American sound to, to, to the backup vocals. And, and, and Natalie is a wonderful singer and, and, and God, I was so happy to, to be able to work with her and just, I just love the girl. She's beautiful, by the way. She's very talented. She has her, her own, uh, solo career, by the way, very successful. And, uh, I'm looking forward to doing uh, more shows with her actually. 
Cool. And guys, uh, who the listeners, this is for you guys. I want you to go to the show notes where we're going to have like an EPK up that is uh, kind of goes into uh, the album and, and you can get to see some of these people that sure. Terry is talking about. And Terry, really, I really enjoy the record. It's something very different, uh, unexpected when I first uh, put it on and it hit my ears. And and like I said, that Boy's a Summer song, just it literally gave me chills. It was great, great stuff. Right. Well, you, you... You know, Mark, I, I, I believe that as an artist, you have to um, you have to challenge yourself. You know, I mean, I think in life in general, let's just say beyond the artist, as a person in general, we need to challenge ourselves. We need to go beyond the scopes the scopes of, of what we have done in the past. Otherwise, we become irrelevant. I mean, we become you know passe. You know what I mean? If you don't move, I, I believe that in life, if you don't move forward, you're, you're moving backward. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. So. You, you have to, to, to think that way, and, and as, whether it's a, as a, just a person or, or as an artist, you have to, to push it. You have to challenge yourself to become a better artist, to become a better human being, to become a better whatever you want to achieve in life, uh, whatever you, a better family man, whatever. It doesn't matter. You have to push yourself all the time. You have to take chances. Otherwise, you know, it becomes boring life right. becomes boring your situation becomes boring your marriage becomes boring your band is boring you know what i mean and that's a horrible horrible thing so we have to push and challenge ourselves all the time right on right on and you know you've had such a long career and you've done so much great stuff through the years uh, you know i kind of wanted to that's switch true. gears over to the great white stuff the the title of the record sure. is is full circle and you know, just hearing what right. you're saying about pushing yourself and 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 sure. going different places musically and just in your life in general is is there is there a meaning or, or is there something behind the title "Full Circle" for the new Great White record? Yes, exactly. What happened is um, the band's first album was produced by Michael Wagner. Okay, right. Uh, Michael Wagner produced uh, one of the, I think it's the first or second album. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. I think it's the I know, first Don Dockin produced one of the I think the first EP. I yeah. want to say yeah. So maybe first, he did. The yeah, Michael. Uh, yeah, uh, Don. You're right. Don Dockin produced the first EP, but Wagner produced the first album. Yeah. So uh, it and they were very happy with that, but you know, thirty years passed and they didn't work. You know, uh, the band didn't work with Michael Wagner, of course. So Michael. Michael produced so many great uh, artists from Skid Row to working with Metallica to working with Ozzy and Extreme. And I mean, he's a very, very talented guy. And, you know, great white went on their own and did their own thing, you know, being produced by uh, Michael Lotti and other people as well, you know. And then um, they went back to the roots. They went back to Michael Wagner, you know, and said, hey, how about a new album with you? And, and that was it. So that's the idea behind the title full circle. I mean, the band went from one side to another and completed a complete circle, you know, I said, here we go, here we are, you know? So that's a very simple meaning, but for the band, it means a lot, you know, full circle. Absolutely. And this is, I believe your second record with, with great white. How, how do you yeah. think it differs from, from the first record you did with the band? I was, well, you know, Mark, I was much more comfortable, to be honest with you. When I was asked to, to, to step in uh, in 2010 to do a few shows, left and right, and then 2012, we did a, the album Elation. Elation, I was very nervous because uh, I knew people were expecting uh, something. They were expecting uh, 
in a way, I was I felt like they were expecting me to 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 to, to fail. You know, with oh, it's never going to be able to replace Jack, blah blah. Right. Which I totally understand and I totally respect. By the way, I have. Uh, it's very difficult to replace a, a band member. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't matter who the band member is. It's always very difficult, especially a singer, especially a, a great singer like Jack. You know, so um, I had no. Uh, I was very very nervous and it, I didn't. I was a bit. Uh, under the influence that I had to do, I had to be uh, on the on. I was holding back, put it this way. I was okay. holding back a lot in the first album. Second album, now Michael Wagner gets in, and Michael Wagner says to me, "I want you to be you. If I wanted somebody else to be here, somebody else would be here. Now I want you to be yourself and sing the way you want to sing." I said, "Perfect. I'm a blues rock singer. That's what I really like to do. And let me do. I'm going to do what I like to do." He said, "Perfect." And then. Michael was actually, Michael Wagner was an amazing person to, to work with. I tell you, uh, I've worked with a lot of producers in my life, but he's by far one of the best producers I have ever worked in my life with. I mean, an amazing, amazing producer because he pretty much guided me. You know, he helped me, but he helped me to become better. He didn't try to, to he didn't try to tell me, okay, you got to be this, you got to do that. And no, no. He heard my voice and said, I like that, but you can probably modify this and this and make it this way and that right. way and still be Terry loose. And I really commend him for that. I really appreciated that. I mean, that was brilliant. And he, he, and Michael has a very, Michael is from Germany, so he has a very strange sense of humor. No, no disrespect to German people, but right. they don't have a sense of humor. Everybody knows that. Um, but he does, he has a great sense of humor. Very funny, you know. And uh, <laughs> I, I was singing, I was a line and I wasn't sure what I would be doing or whatever. And I sang one line and he has this really strong German accent. And instead of being diplomatic and saying, well, it's, it's interesting. You, you might want to try something else again. He didn't say that. He's so, so upfront. You know, he said to me, Terry, don't sing flat. <laughs> I was saying, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like he could have been courteous and said, it's pretty good. You can do better. No, no. He went to don't right. sing flat. Like, <laughs> imagine all, imagine all knows, all knows what's right. saying that with that kind of voice. Right. And I thought it was funny and I laughed so hard. I said, Oh my God, that's so funny. He said, you like it? I'm like, yeah. I said, we're good. So we get along very well because again, he was a blessing, a blessing to work with. I mean, a fantastic producer. I really highly recommend Michael Wagner to any any rocker out there, any, any, you know, it's just a wonderful experience to work with. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like he's still got it because this this new Great White record definitely just uh, not only is the songwriting and the performing good, it just it, it has that Thank sound. You. you know, it's a it's a great sounding Thank record. You. Again, it's called Full Circle Great White. The legendary band that uh, I've seen so many times uh, through the years is 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 it is it. Um, confusing to people in, in that there are, there are essentially two great whites out there. I mean, you have great white and then you have Jack Russell's great white. Is that problematic for you guys? Not really. I mean, I'm sure for some people it is, but not, 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 not for us actually. Um, um, it says Jack Russell's great white and I respect that. And, and I should respect that. I have no, uh, no problems with that, you know? And, and, um, and the other one is great white, you know, uh, that's all, you know, I mean, right. people, I've been with the band for seven years now. My very first shows actually, 
uh, May 2009, believe it or not. But I did a few shows and then I came back in 2010. So I've been with the band for a long time and, and I think people are accustomed to me, you know, now, you know, you know, and, and I'm blessed that most, most of the fans have accepted me and, and are pretty pleased with me. I'm, we have great wires, have some wonderful fans and I have to tell you that I'm, I'm very honored to be on stage with those guys because they, they have written wonderful songs and for me to be on stage and singing those great songs, I tell you, you know, it's, it's an honor, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's been great talking with you tonight. And before I let you go, I kind of want to circle back to the Gypsy Dreams record, because again, these are cover songs on this record. Some of them are by, you know, hard rockers and and metal metal guys like you do Heaven and Hell, as as you mentioned, a whole lot of love. Uh, Kill right. the King is on there but then there's a lot of other Love Bites by <laughs> Def Leppard there's a lot of other songs like Wicked Game yeah. Ride Like the Wind Boys right. of Summer which aren't necessarily hard rock or, or heavy metal songs no. uh, in your eyes of course what were some of the non-hard rock and metal bands and musicians that influenced you in your formative years in your in your youth again not hard rock not metal not hard rock Peter Gabriel, for sure. I love, I think he's a musical genius. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Stevie Wonder, absolutely. Yeah. I love Stevie Wonder. You know, I grew up listening to um, R&B, old R&B. Um, uh, Sam Cooke, uh, Otis Redding, uh, uh, the OJs. Uh, <laughs> seriously, Stevie Wonder, Aretha, Tina Turner, Sly and the Family. I grew up listening to, to, to R&B. I've didn't want to become a rock singer, actually. I wanted to do something else, you know? I wanted to become an R&B uh, singer or maybe a, a crooner like Tom Jones, seriously. And uh, it just happened that there, nobody wanted to hire me. He said, you're kind of white to be to play R&B. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. all right, <laughs> that's not, not going to work. So I went into rock. But uh, no, I, I grew up listening to uh, uh, Peter Gabriel. is. She's wonderful. And Stevie Wonder, you know, Ray Charles, you know. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, dude, I like R&B. Uh, I, love, I love the passion of a, of a singer. Ray Charles, James Brown, those guys. I saw James Brown when I was a kid live, and I was like, oh, my God. Can you be – I mean, he was just phenomenal. I, I know people think, what the heck? He's a rock singer, and he, he likes James Brown. Well, James Brown was, was beyond me. James Brown was very – advanced very ahead of his time yeah. you know i mean he's brilliant brilliant pop singer i like this well the stones of course but they'll rock so yeah yeah you know. great stuff terry it's great talking with you i want to end today's uh interview here with with heaven and hell your unique version of it a great song uh, just <laughs> and it really shows you that it doesn't have to be played super loud through amps it's still a great song when you guys break it down and do it uh, in this uh, unique format. And uh, again, the record is called Gypsy Dreams. And we're going to have it linked through today's show notes along with the brand new Great White record, which is full circle. Sure. Two new albums, brand new albums from Terry. You have a great evening. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.
That song right there was Heaven and Hell, and that comes off the Gypsy Dreams record. Definitely check it out. It's great stuff. I mean, that's that's an amazing version of Heaven and Hell. Uh, Really interesting that Heaven and Hell, it's not a song, you know, it it works in that flamenco format. It doesn't have to be a heavy metal song. It it can be presented in, in different formats and still just has such such power. Yep. Uh, written by Tony Iommi and Ronnie James Dio, right? Yep. I think, as far as I yeah, can remember, I, I, I don't so. have Google open, but I know, you know, Geezer was not real involved in the Heaven and Hell record until like right at the last minute, he kind of came in and just did the the baseline. So I I don't I don't know if he has a songwriting credit on that particular song, but um, we can. Uh, we can look it up and find out in a, in a bit. Yeah, I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah, we probably should because now, <laughs> now I'm curious. Uh, if I can actually see Heaven and Hell at, uh, at Radio yeah, City? Yeah, that was one of my favorite concerts ever. Yeah, that was great. That was and we great. ended up, uh, they did a DVD of that. And if you have the DVD, John and I are a part of the bonus footage. On that. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. And I, I have a very uh, strange OT on, on in, in, uh, in that. Oh, yeah, in that video. <laughs> Um, okay, I've got the Heaven show. and Hell uh, Wikipedia, but that's the album. Um, you know, don't they usually have like the songs? Uh, okay. Yeah, good. If you break, go down the track. List oh, yeah. Then. Okay, I see. Heaven and Hell. It's got to uh, be Iomi and. Oh, it says, you know what? They, on, on this, they're crediting like the whole band. Uh, okay. Yeah, but, you know. If you read Iomi's book, he specifically details that. You know, he and Ronnie were the main source of those songs. I mean, Geezer didn't write any lyrics. You know, he basically came in late in the game and and did the bass on on the record. At least that's the way I oh, remember yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I just saw this. It, it it says the music was written mainly by Tony, but uh, it, it said is with almost all Black Sabbath albums, credit is given to the entire band. Wow. So, okay. so that's interesting. But yeah. Yeah, the fact I did not know about Black Sabbath. So, John, what else is happening? Okay, yeah, one quick thing about uh, Sabbath. Um, I discovered something watching this old Sabbath video. I think it was from 75, and I'm not even sure what song it was, but uh, if, if you look at the way their amps are set up, they they have all the cabinets set up, and they, instead of the heads being on top of the cabinets, which is sort of the standard way of doing it, they have the heads lined up, like, for example, if you're looking at the band and you see the abs on the right side of the drummer, uh, Bill Ward, the heads are, are way to the right. Kind of like how Kiss did it uh, on their um, Alive 2 stage, Love Gun stage. Now, I thought that Kiss came up with that. Incorrect. Um, I don't know if Black Sabbath came up with it, but they were the first... Uh, band now that I've ever seen do that and uh, I know that Ace likes the way that looks um, where you uh, have like all your cabs and your heads uh, not on the cabs but kind of lined up and if even the Kiss uh, reunion tour they, they that's how they had it so wow. something that I thought Kiss came up with but Black Sabbath did it first now this is one of the things that I, I never ever get negative you, you guys know that uh, and uh, Mark you know this uh, listeners know this. Uh, I almost never say anything negative about any anybody. However, I am Uh-oh. slightly ticked off. You want to hear? <laughs> I'm slightly ticked yeah, off. Love it. I'm ticked off younger, um, and I'm not ticked. At, so this is going to sound 
bad initially. I'm ticked off at certain younger fans. It, it, this particular uh, case it happened to be Ramstein fans. But uh, what I am finding out is that a lot of fans... Now, I am fairly certain that Talking Metal fans are not part of this group because the Talking Metal fans are, are well-rounded in the history of metal. Uh, I, am, I am confident of that. However, at the Ramstein concert, there were fans who did not know uh, a lot of history, in my opinion. People I talked to after the history show. History of, of the band? or history of, of, No, of just, of of just music in general. In general. Yeah, because here's what happened. Like, I was uh, somehow I got into a conversation with these two guys, and they, they were really nice guys. Um, but uh, Ramstein does a lot of stuff in their stage show. Now, I love Ramstein. If there was, if there was ever, if somebody said, John, you can be in any band you want to be in, most people think I would pick Kiss. Incorrect. I would say I want to be like the guitarist or the drummer of Ramstein because that, that just sort of exactly what I would do. Like if, if, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, futuristic, it's, uh, uh, you know, alien influenced. It's, uh, they got a great stage show, a lot, a lot of cool stuff like about Ramstein. So, but here's the thing, and this is not to take anything away from them, but because they would, they would, they would be the first to say this, that, you know, there's a lot of Kiss influence in, in Ramstein, and and let's just even take the stage show. There's they do a confetti thing. Uh, right. Kiss did that Rock and Roll Night back in the '70s. They do a thing where they descend from the, you know, uh, the light truss at the beginning of the concert. Kiss has done that. Um, they do, you know, the fire. Uh, is uh, you know, Kiss of course was known for the fire, and and uh, and Ramstein kind of takes what Kiss did and 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 does it like to the max uh, 2017 version. But they you know they they do it. Can I I I think that it's almost like a uh, like a tip of the hat to Kiss, and uh, they're not, you know they're not just trying to copy them. They're kind of taking the idea and 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 uh, building building it out a little bit, and and I love that. But here's the thing. A lot of these fans had, you know, they don't know that that some of this stuff was done before in, in a group like Kiss uh, was so influential on bands like Ramstein or, or uh, like pretty much any band who's using like, you know, bombs and fire and, and stuff like that in their stage show. And, and then I just for the heck of it, like uh, we were uh, I went with Jamie from Like It. Uh, we were asking a couple like of these fans, hey, John's band for anybody. He doesn't know that. Thank you. And uh, we said, okay, you know, other than like Beth, can you name a Kiss song? And and like one guy was like, nah. And the other guy took him like a couple of minutes, but he was like, oh yeah, Rock and Roll Night, this Kiss song. Like, you know, I I was just kind of blown away um, that, uh, especially Ramstein fans, some of them had no idea that that Kiss were sort of like the forefathers of of a lot of this stuff. And and I, I'm not I will saying say this yeah. though, not to argue it, because I, uh, oh, I okay. you're 100 percent right about the the visuals and the stage show. And and listen, as far as hard rock and heavy metal goes, I mean, I think the three most influential bands, without question, are Kiss, Sabbath. Um, well, the th what three Kiss, Sabbath, and Zeppelin. 
Um, Aerosmith and Deep Purple close seconds as far as influential. Some people would put even Deep Purple ahead of Sabbath. Like, you know, you look at songs like stuff off of In Rock and stuff. They were very, very even more influential or as influential as Deep Purple on the new wave of British heavy metal scene, you know, or as Black Sabbath. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words here. But anyway, what I was going (laughs) to say, I kind of went off on a tangent, is the music of Rammstein is is very different than Kiss. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't the, right. Hear, the music I don't is hear different. a lot of Kiss influence. I, there's yeah. some, but I mean, I hear more of like a Ministry, even Nine Inch yeah. Nails, like like industrial metal. You know, I hear that more than I hear like a, a rock and roll influence of Kiss. Right. Right, right. The, yeah, well, that's that's 100% true. Yeah, musically, that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, this is a band that some of the guys were, were definitely Kiss fans, but um, they it, it, you see it more in the visual presentation and some of the, the way the stage show is done less than you, you see it in uh, or hear it in their music. So, yeah, you're right. Music, totally different. And here's what's, what's weird. I don't know where I developed uh, a love for Ramstein style music but I I love it like I, I every time I you know I go through little phases of, of you know what are you currently listening to and when I go through these Ramstein phases it, it's you know I can't stop I mean there's a song called uh, which which they did and I'm gonna pl- uh, pronounce this wrong but each two do something like that it's like a it's a the single off of uh, an album a couple of albums ago, and uh, I think I think it means um, like uh, something like uh, uh, I hurt you or something like that. But you, basically, this song is like I hurt you, but you love it, and I'm not sorry about it. Right, <laughs> and and right. like being hurt by me is like a cool thing. Like that, that's that's what the, the song is about. But I love that song. Like they cool. they did that one. They did Firefly, which is like my favorite Ramstein song. Uh, they did uh, the song E N G E L. I, I don't know if it's pronounced Angel or Angle, but uh, uh, that was the uh, last song. Um, what was the uh, first? And, and we, let's was, play that first song you just mentioned. Oh, okay. You each two the wheel. Yeah, uh, I I think it's called Each Two the Wheel. Uh, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right, it's great. It, I tell you what, let's check it out right now. Then after that, we're okay. going to hear uh, my interview with Chris Senzek from the Decibel Geek podcast. And I'm going to talk with him about basically two subjects. Uh, the the Rock and Pod Expo, which is happening August 26th. Please join us. And also Motley Crue. Uh, we might talk a little bit about podcasting in general. I've been sitting on this interview a while. Chris, thanks for your patience. And uh, yeah, here we go. A little Rammstein. Rammstein? Rammstein. Yes. Stein. I think it's Stein. Stein. Rammstein. Yes. I'm talking about. And this is Itch to the Way. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs>
bist du am Leben. Ich steck dir Orden ins Gesicht. Du bist mir ganz und gar gegeben. Du liebst mich, denn ich lieb dich nicht. Du blutest für mein Seelenheil. Ein kleiner Schnitt und du wirst der Körper schon total entstellt Hey, it's Mark Striegel from the Talking Metal Podcast and calling in on the line fellow podcaster Chris Senzak from the Decibel Geek Podcast. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Mark. 
Thank you for organizing what is sure going to be an amazing event. It's happening August 26th in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the Rock and Pod Expo. I mean, you have so many of my favorite podcasters getting together at this thing under under one roof. We're all going to be there. Talking Metal will be there. Decibel Geek Podcast will be there. Who, who else will be there? A lot of other ones. Can you give us some of the ones uh, you're personally excited by? Sure. Uh, of course, Rock and Roll Geek and Talking Metal, uh, Podkist, the longest-running KISS podcast. Cool. Uh, podcast Rock City, they're, they're a good KISS show. Uh, Rock and or Roll, that's BJ Cramp's show. Uh, Pods and Sods with Craig and Eric. Uh, gosh, there's so many. You're putting me on the spot now. But uh, there's, there's there's 20, I think I think we're up to 27 total. Rock and Strikes 10, one of my Rock all-time Strikes favorite 10. podcasts. Yeah. Same here. I love Joey. He's uh, he, he his show is such a unique show. Like I've I've discovered so much music out of his show, and not just rock and metal stuff. Like all kinds of music. Oh yeah. I mean, I listen to that, and like he'll he just I love it when he just digs out like nuggets. Like it's not the typical stuff. You'll talk about Bowie, but and I'm like kind of a Bowie expert, but he even hits me with songs that I'm like, oh wow, this one, you know, and it's just like. Uh, he's so he's uh, so educated and knowledgeable when it comes to all forms of music. A great show, and he'll be there. Rock Strike Ten, Rock Strikes Ten podcast with Joey Haney. Um, and actually, I've got some art. Let me pull the artwork up. Uh, the Kiss Room is going to be there. Cool. Uh, good. If you like Cheap Trick, there's a Cheap Trick, Cheap Talk with Trick Chat podcast will be there. That's a tongue twister. Uh, the the Double Stop with Brian Sword. Brian's a great interviewer. He's going to be there. Uh, there's a podcast called Zilch. It's about the monkeys. There's Pop. There's Kiss FAQ. There's there's a great one about drinking beer while listening to music called Drunken Lullabies. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, there's even a Bruce Springsteen podcast called Tramps Like Us that's going to be there. That's awesome. And talk, talk to me with Josh Toomey. Uh, yes. Ages Ages of Rock. Sitting down with Joe. The Synaptic Empire. Just so many. Yeah, it's going to be a great event and. Guys, we really want you there. I mean, it's it's John is probably going to be there. I will absolutely be there. My wife Emily will be there. So you're going to have uh, a lot of familiar faces from Talking Metal. Joey Haney, who a lot of you guys know because he's done some co-hosting with me. And we just mentioned his show, Rock Strikes 10. I even think uh, Bill Wang is, is coming. Have you heard if hey, Bill's yeah. going to show up? I've heard, but I don't know if he's going to be incognito. So he may be there and we never see him. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Bill Wang, of course, is... Uh, he, he used to have a different name. Like, he used to call into the Talking Metal show, like, 10 years ago under a different name, which he gets really mad <laughs> when I, I mention that other name. But, um, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep it under wraps. Yeah, we'll keep it under wraps. But there'll be a lot of a lot of great, great podcasts there. And not only podcasts, right, Chris? We're, I mean, there's going to be yeah. some big-time musicians and producers. Uh, like, who else can we expect to, to hang with there? Well, and before I – so I can let myself off the hook, I want to make sure I mention everybody. Uh, that Dandy Classic Music Hour is going to be there. Cobras and Fire, which are kind of the bastard children of Decibel Geek. They've uh, – those guys were contributors to my site. Now they host their own show, which is really good. Cool. The Hustle with, with John Lamoureux and uh, the great albums. And I think Classic Rock Drops, which is the new one. I think I got everybody. Just wanted to make sure I got that. Cool. Uh, and then, so for, yeah, and then we're going to have like a lot of uh, guests. Like uh, we're going to be doing, there's well, for one thing we're going to do, we're going to have like live panel things going on at the end of the room on a stage with a full PA system. And um, 
so there's one of the things we're doing with that is a producers panel, and um, I've I've I had two of the producers confirmed, and I've confirmed the third one now, so I can announce that actually exclusively on your show. Oh, nice. Um, We've got Michael Wagner, who's going to be there, who's produced everybody. Oh, wow. Just um, He produced the new Great White record, which sounds yeah. really good, actually. Yeah, and, of course, Ozzy and Dokken. And yes. Oh, yeah. Skid Row, right? Metallica. Yeah, just yeah. everybody. Um, Michael's going to be part of that panel. Also, Toby Wright, who worked with uh, Slayer, Seven Dust, Kiss on Carnival of Souls. Yeah. Uh, Allison Chains, uh, he's worked with a lot of people too. He's going to be part of it. And today I confirmed uh, producer Kevin Beamish, who uh, a lot of Y&T fans will know. He worked on a number of their albums. Oh, nice. Nice. Cool. And that, I'm excited for that. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. That sounds yeah, because we're all, we're all nerds about the way the records are made. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to, to get some inside stories about that stuff. Um, also, uh, a lot. we're going to have signing sessions and meet and greet sessions with people all, all throughout the day. This is a long day. Like the 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 early open uh, to the day thing is 10 a.m. but open to the public at 11 for people that didn't pay early and uh, it'll go it's gonna go like all the way till probably 11 or 12 o'clock at night wow. so uh, it's gonna be a very long day um, a fun day though um, so for some of the guests that I've got that have confirmed already uh, Michael was one of the first ones to confirm of course his schedule is always permitting but he, it looks like he's definitely in uh, let's see. Uh, Eric Brittingham from Cinderella will be at the Talk To Me table. Uh, let's see. Ta- Paul Taylor from Winger will be there. Uh, Pat and Anthony from Tora Tora are going to be on hand. Uh, make sure I get all these names correct because I want to make sure everybody gets mentioned. Uh, Greg Mangus, a local musician here that plays with Desolation Angels. That's a Bad Company tribute band, and they're going to be playing the pre-party the night before the, the expo. And uh, I watched them play the other night. They were great. They also have Sandy Gennaro in the band on drums, and he's going to be at the expo. And uh, Scott Van Zen, who wrote with Kiss, wrote with Gene Simmons for uh, the Revenge of Carnival of Souls albums, he's going to be there. He's in, he's a, in Desolation Angels as well. Uh, let's see, Greg Renoff, who wrote the Van Halen Rising book. Oh, yeah, we on. love Greg. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, Chris Green from Taiketo is confirmed. He's going to be there. Uh, Gary Corbett, who is probably the all-time most popular Decibel Geek guest, is going to be there. Oh, I love the interview you did with with him. Uh, how many times he's been on? Twice, right? Oh, he's been on like four or five. Oh, times okay. Now. I've o- I've only heard him on twice, but uh, they were great interviews for sure. Oh, thank you. Yeah, he was. Gary's a great guy. Uh, Joel Kosha, for, who was with Collective Soul and was also with Devil City Angels, he's going to be there. And then um, just yesterday, I announced that Walter Egan is going to be there. And if you, I don't know if a lot of the metalheads are going to know who Walter Egan is, but he had a big hit in the '70s with a song called "Magnet and Steel" and had a little thing going with Stevie Nicks at the time. Right on, right on. Yeah, and there's more surprises to be announced. There's people I'm still working on. It's just getting. I, I won't announce something until I get a yes out of everybody involved. Right. So I, I will be there representing Talking Metal. Emily will be there also, and John Ostrowski, aka Astronomy, will be there. And for you guys who are Kiss fans, maybe you don't know Talking Metal that much. If you happen to be tuning in to this show to hear Chris, John is. Ace's right-hand man, so he is happy to sign books. He wrote Ace's books single-handedly with Ace, uh, who didn't really do any typing at all. John basically wrote the whole book, no regrets. He has written 
songs for Ace. He may be writing more songs for Ace. Uh, and and there's a lot of uh, stuff John does with Ace as far as tour managing, everyday management. And he would love to sign books, bring your No Regret no regrets book to the uh, convention john will sign it and uh definitely share ace stories with you and if you're doing a podcast i know john would probably be willing to come on and and talk talk kiss and talk ace because there's no one who knows more about kiss or ace in my personal opinion i've met a lot of people than than uh than john so we want to hang with you guys and the talking metal listeners even if you can't make it Show your support by going to the official GoFundMe page, which is GoFundMe.com slash rock, the letter N, pod expo. And, you know, even a small donation, like a $5 donation, can help us make this this great party in Nashville on August 26th happen. So maybe instead of doing a PayPal donation this week for Talking Metal, Instead of that, go over and donate to this GoFundMe page to make this event happen for for Chris and myself and everyone else who's going to be there. And we have some great packages um, where you can co-host an episode of Talking Metal. I think one of the three is sold already, but there's two open still. So if you want to, while you're there in Nashville, co-host and produce an episode with myself emily and john uh you can donate 75 dollars to that gofundme page and that will um, get you your own talking metal episode and and you guys have stuff like that for decibel geek too right yeah we did uh we 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 had some we offered the co-hosting thing and then we got so many of them we had to put a hold on it because we want to make sure we can schedule everybody right but, sure um, we've got uh some autograph packages of you know, people that have been on the show and some goodies and stuff that uh, that are still up for sale. Um, and if you want to, you want to look at that. There's actually the official website is Nashville Rock the letter N podexpo.com. Just go there and click click on the perks link, and you'll see all of the different packages for it. Say admissions and perks, and it, it's got all the full details on what every podcast is offering. And uh, cool. there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff that's out there. And and so people don't necessarily have to go and pledge in advance you could technically just show up there on the 26th and and get into the the event right yeah you can um although the way it's gone we've had a decent number of pledgers already that so and there's you're going to be jockeying for position on uh, room capacity i think because we're going to have we're going to have a lot of local media coverage that i've been promised so um i'm expecting a good turnout for it and so I think your best bet is to do the GoFundMe page early, just to to be sure your name's on the list when you get there. But you can take you can roll the dice and show up that day, though it's not a problem. And and what is the minimum pledge that gets you into the event again? Well, the minimum pledge to get you in an hour early that we're doing on the GoFundMe only is twenty dollars. Okay, twenty dollars. Very you, reasonable. Yeah. Very, yeah, very yeah, reasonable. Yeah. Considering all the stuff you're going to get that day, and there's some. Uh, there's another panel thing that I haven't announced yet that because I've got one person left to confirm with. Okay. But if it, if it, once I announce it, especially for people that are as nerdy about rock and metal as we are, it's going to excite a lot of people and it's going to be something where you're going to want to be there for it. Once I announce it, I'm, I'm, wow. the, I'm doing the Gene Simmons move where I'm promising. I'm not saying that stuff's going to jump out from under your seat or anything like Gene did, but right, right, right. But it's going to be 
something really cool and really unique and special to that. Event. Wow, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to uh, to hear uh, when when and what what that is. So when when is an announcement coming if if things get locked into place with whatever you're referencing? Well, I'm, I'm working on one last person for it. Right. But okay. Once once he or she says yes to it, then I'll I'll announce it as soon as I can because I can't wait to tell people about it. I'll tell right. you once we get off mic. Okay. All right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, we're going to get into town on the 25th and leave on the the uh, the the 27th. So I won't be there long, but it's going to be an action-packed two days for me and. Just very excited and really want you guys to show your support. Again, let's let's hit the GoFundMe page and pledge what we can to make this great event happen. And who knows, maybe if if this one's a smashing success, uh, there could maybe potentially be another one next year. Is that a, a good guess? Yeah, that's the goal. And, yeah. you know, it's fun. This started out very innocently of this would be kind of fun just to do once. But the more I've thought about it, you know, I'm I'm not only I'm not only into my show and some of the shows I listen to. I'm very big into this as a form of media, and I right. think podcast this is the future. Whether whether people in the radio industry want to admit it or not, it this is getting bigger by the year, and it's one of those things where even Steve Jobs, who pretty much invented podcasting, used to dismiss it as amateur hour. You know, um, and it still kind of is, but it's gaining legitimacy as time goes on. And this is one of those things where the, I believe so much in this event that I want this to be as big a success as possible. I want it to draw as much attention through media as possible. So they realize that, Oh, this is something that actually is to be reckoned with. And this is something we should actually pay attention to because you know, you're not going to get the music you get on talking metal on the radio. It's right. Just, That's true. Yeah. This, this is where you can get that. And, the, and for the industry, the industry should be backing shows like ours because we're the ones giving them it's the best infomercial you can have for the for the band in my opinion. yeah and and by the way this is kind of just uh, uh random but i want to throw this in there I, I i have sirius in my car i'm not like a big serious guy but i i do listen to it when i'm in the car um which is isn't often because i usually take public transportation places but the they have this new station called volume i don't know are you familiar with this station at all I've heard Eddie Trunk talk about it, but I haven't yeah. had a chance to. Dude, it sounds like podcasting to me. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a ripoff for of of you, and it's a ripoff of me. It's it's a ripoff of of Michael Butler. It's it's basically their answer to you know rock rock talk. You know, talking about rock and and music on the radio. They they don't play much music at all. It's more about the conversation. And I, I swear to God, it, whenever I listen to it, I'm like, this is just a ripoff of what we all do on our podcast. And and it, it, it kind of goes to the point of what you were saying that, that you know, the, the industry is taking notice now, finally, after podcasts being in existence for almost 13, 14 years, they're finally taking notice. And I think this volume station on Sirius is evidence that they're a little scared and they're, they're, they're like, we need to compete with this because what the podcasters are doing is, is something unique and, um, you know, could, is, is becoming bigger and bigger by the day. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, well, people want niche, they want niche broadcasting. They right. don't want, they don't want the across the board thing anymore. And that's what radio is. It's just, we have to, 
we got to hit, you know, 20 different target demographics. Well, with podcasting, no, I have to hit one. Right. That's why, that's why, a, that's why a kiss, a kiss only podcast can get massive numbers. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm wanting to start an Alice Cooper one just because I think it would get good numbers because there's people that would listen to that. every week. I would, you know, absolutely. But, but, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a thing where I guess we should be flattered that they're doing that. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're like us, you listen to the, to the podcast and you're like radio sucks, which is kind of our whole tagline at Decibel Geek. Yep, yep. Um, the best way to give a middle finger to radio is to help make this expo a success in my opinion. Absolutely. And again, I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited to meet my fellow podcasters and hang out with you, Chris, in Nashville on August 26th. Guys, get get to Nashville. And if you can't make it to Nashville, show your support by making a pledge to the Rock and Pod GoFundMe page, which again is uh, GoFundMe.com, Rock, the letter N, Pod Expo. And we'll have that link through today's show notes. And we'll also have up... Uh, links to Chris's website, the Decibel Geek web- website, and uh, also we'll have the incentives that you can get by uh, pledging money. I'll make sure I have all those listed in the the show notes, the t-shirts, and everything that Chris was talking about. So again, let's let's make this a, a success, and I'd love to see some of you, you talking metal guys there. It would be awesome. So Chris, on another note, we were talking offline about Motley Crue, a band that we both love. And you mentioned, did you say your favorite Motley Crue record is the one with Karabi? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's an interesting record because obviously it's it's one of the few records that, not a few, I think one of a couple records that, that does not have the Tommy, Mick, Nicky, Vince lineup. And one, the other record that doesn't have that lineup is New Tattoo, a record which you said is probably your your least favorite, right? Oh no, no, not my least favorite, but it's it's not one of my favorites. But it's it's between the middle and the bottom half of the list. For me. Right. Okay. Cool. So I wanted to ask you if you could give us three songs off that Motley Crue self titled record as must hear songs off of that record what would they be god only three (laughs) yeah like even hooligans holiday you know like i mean that's got to be one of them because it's so good but i i know you might not want to say that because it's the more popular song off the record but what yeah i'm 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 partial to deep cuts but right uh, no you can do all deep cuts whatever you want to do i'd say one of them would have to be uncle jack just because it's like it's tackling such such a horrid uh, you know, subject matter, but it does it. It does it in a great sense, and it's it's just a great song. That would be one. Uh, the second one would probably be, gosh, "Smoke the Sky." I think, I think the riff on that is one of the best riffs in the band's entire catalog, and it just it just kicks ass from start to finish. And then I guess last, uh, probably, I guess I'd say "Poison Apples," right? Because that one does still have a little bit of the old... It, 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 I know some people like to say it has the old Motley Crue sound to it, but it's more of a... That was Karabi bringing in... Well, hell, he even mentions Mott the Hoople, but it's like the Mott the Hoople slash Aerosmith slash Deep Purple influence that he had. And uh, those, I guess those are the three that strike strike me right off. There's not a bad song on the album, though, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great record. Was Were you a big Motley Crue fan before that record came out? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. I and so that. was it hard for you to accept that record? Because, you know, I was I was excited when that record came out. But the majority, I think we're kind of in the minority. Like they didn't they didn't keep their, um, you know, shopping mall, you know, very, you know, generic fan going at that stage of their career i mean do you do you think they should have called it a different name do you think it's okay that they use the motley crew name on that uh we and we had i had me and aaron talked to john in a bar here in nashville for like three hours about this record for one of our albums on lee shows so um i asked him himself what he thought of that and they were going to call it a different they were going to change the name of the band and the record company was like, uh, hell no, you're not going to because there's too much invested in that name. Um, which right. I don't, business-wise, it makes sense that they stuck with it because it's certainly a safer move than changing the name of the band. But, I mean, in hindsight, I think they probably should have because it, it sounds nothing like, well, it sounds nothing like most of their catalog aside from Generation Swine, which Robbie wound up writing some of that too. Um, but it was, uh, for me, I was, right in the right target audience for when they made this change because I was see, 94. I was, I was like 18, 19 years old. Right. And when, so when it came out and I was playing in bands at that time, so I was playing in bands that were kind of grungy slash I was into grunge. I was into Pantera. I was into uh, COC. I was into fear factory but I still listen to old Motley Crue. I listened to old Doc and I listened to Kit. I'll never stop listening to Kit. But so it was, I was like the perfect market for that album. So I embraced it wholeheartedly when it came out because I was like, oh, this is, it's Motley Crue on steroids with a guy that can, you know, rip vocally. I, I just, I thought it was a breath of fresh air, even though 95% of the, my friends that were Motley Crue fans just hated it. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of the criticism I heard about the record was, oh, they're trying too hard to, you know, keep up with the Joneses, and, and you know, th that's not what Motley Crue is supposed to sound like. And, you know, we could argue that back and forth. But the but the thing is, it, it is just a great record, no matter what, what band name is on it. And it's definitely uh, something that you should check out if you aren't aware of it. Again, we're talking about the Motley Crue self-titled record, which came out, ooh, I don't have it in front. What year was that? Like 90? Nine, nine, 94. 94, right. Okay, yeah. so then we had Generation Swine, which I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but you mentioned Generation, Generation Swine came out in what, like 96? Does that sound right? I'm, yeah, 97. Uh, 97, nine, actually. Seven. June 24th, 1997. And I saw them on this tour. I actually was at the, the Letterman, David Letterman show when they played there, and uh, then I, I saw them again after that and i i at the time liked numerous things about the generation swine record however like i liked afraid i thought that was a kind of a, a decent song but the the thing about that record is it definitely felt like they were trying too hard to like bring in some industrial sounds and I don't know. It just I, the shout at the devil '97, which they continued to play live. I think right up until the end, um, instead of play the regular version of Shout at the Devil. I just felt like it was just they were trying too hard with with that record. And uh, what quick opinions on that record, Chris? Um, well, I mean, it's like to go back to '94, though. I mean, like the, you know, people said they were trying too hard on that record, but you can hear real conviction and real joy in what they were playing it doesn't 
that album. Yeah, I'm not I'm talking about the self-titled. Yeah. I'm talking about Generation Swine. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, but I'm setting myself up for that. Right. For Generation Swine, but that because that album is just like it's the way it sounds to me is four guys that are completely into what they're doing. Then they bring, you know, they get rid of Karabi just under the pressure of the record label going, your album's not selling, so you got to get Vince back. So they figure, well, let's just get Vince back, but we'll do Karabi-like material. And it, it's so force-sounding, and it just doesn't work. I, I don't I don't like it, the album really at all. I, there's like maybe two songs on it that I like. But how, how much like how much of an influence do you think Tommy Lee was on that? Because I felt like he was always so concerned with like you know being being so tapped into what's currently popular yeah. and, and i i just felt like i don't know if it was the record company or his influence but i always felt like it possibly was his influence i don't have a lot of you know proof to back that up except on the next record new tattoo which is a record when it came out i did, really didn't care about it i didn't really give it the time of day but in more recent years i've gone back to the new tattoo record which tommy lee was having legal problems he was did jail time and there's also, you know, stories that he was fighting with 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 Vince and not getting along with, with him. And so anyways, to- Tommy Lee's out of Motley Crue and they put out this record, which, again, didn't really do all that great at the time, didn't get a lot of push. Uh, it's called New Tattoo. Randy Castillo was brought in who had had a lot of years with Vince and his solo band. And, of course, played with Ozzy, Lita Ford, among many others. But this record, to me, in recent years, I've gone back and listened to it. And I'm always surprised at how good it is. And, I mean, you can disagree with me if you want. But I think there's so many great classic Motley Crue-style songs on it. Like, uh, I mean, Hell, Hell on High Heels... Again, classic Motley Crue sound. Drag strip superstar sounds like you know late '80s Motley Crue. There's a song called "Punched in the Teeth by Love," which sounds like it's a right off of "Shout at the Devil." I mean, it's like you know, ten seconds to love uh, meets like "Knock 'Em Dead Kid" meets like you know, "Too Young to Fall in Love." It's it's such a it has this like moving chord pro- progression under the the chanting vocals, and to me. I, I got to give them a lot of credit for this record because they went back and embraced what made Motley Crue great. And I don't think they really did it ever again in their career. Cause I mean, what was, what was after that? Um, Saints of Los Angeles. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. There was like some weird kind of greatest hits leftover things, the music to crash your car to, or whatever that was. And then, oh, yeah. And then I, <laughs> yeah. And then it was, then it was basically Saints of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. There, I will say I went back and listened to this today because it. And when you brought it up when we talked earlier, you know, I was like, obviously the '94 album I can talk about for hours because I just love it. But this one, um, when it came out, I just I wasn't really into it at the time, and um, I was still. Into I wasn't the either. Of, yeah, I was into the style of music, but I'm a really big fan of Tommy's drumming. So. Uh, I was already in the wrong headspace when it came out, knowing that he wasn't going to be on it. Uh, I'm, I do love Randy Castillo's drumming in general, but I do think you can tell that Tommy's just not there. It just doesn't have the same yeah. type. 
there's a swing that he would bring to the to the drumming on their albums. But. Yeah, no, it's very fair. One of my favorite drummers, you know, and no. he he has such a personality with his with his drumming that that's a very fair uh, criticism of of New Tattoo. And and I saw them uh, the year before this came out with Randy on drums, and it was not impressive. Uh, it, <laughs> they had the Scorpions opening for him, and they they shouldn't have even bothered coming on after the Scorpions because they just mopped the floor with Molly Green. Wow. It wasn't even close. And then all I could hear was, I could hear Mick, Mick Mars' guitar about 50 times louder than the rest of the band, which, considering Vince's vocals, that was probably a good thing. But, right. um, but it, it, I don't know. This this album, I will say, I went back and listened today, and it's not as bad as I remembered it being. Right. Uh, there's, there are good moments on here. Hell on High Heels has a really good riff to it. Um, I don't know that the chorus is all that great. Uh New tattoo. New tattoo was actually a pretty good song. I was, I, for some reason, I used to think I hated that song. I was to today. I was like, it's not bad. Drag strip superstar, like you said, as that that it's does great. sound like an old, like a lady. Yeah, I love that pop. song. Yeah, yeah, that one surprised me. Um, although punching the teeth by love, that song was a letdown to me because Nikki used to talk for years in interviews about, oh, I've got this song called Punching the Teeth by Love that. You know, it just it we we've left it off album after album, and I can't wait to put it out. So when it came out, I'm like, we finally get to hear this song, and I'm like, oh, that's it. So I was like, oh, well, that's, that's interesting because you know, Randy has a Randy Castillo has a songwriting credit on that. So that's I wonder if he reworked the song or something, or it's possible. Well, yeah, I, I know, know. Nikki's talked about that song since I think the Girls 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 album, right? And um, uh, Hollywood Ending's unique. It's interesting, but Hollywood Ending uh, in the I think fake they you're kind of here because you know james michael who i think his name's james like the guy that's in 6 a.m he wrote a lot right. of stuff on there. um so you can kind of hear the beginnings of 6 a.m on this album uh it ends on a bad note with i think porno stars an awful song and i think there was no need for a cover of white punks on dope yeah well i'll agree with you on the white punks on dope thing <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah it's pretty pretty god awful but yeah here here's my top three off of the the Randy, Nikki, Vince, Mick album, which again is New Tattoo from, what do we say, 1990? No, 2000, oh, 2000. From 2000. Yeah. Wow, it doesn't seem like it was that late. That's wow, that's wild. Uh, yeah, from 2000. Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite song off the record, Drag Strip, Superstar at number one. I'll do hell at high uh, hell on high heels at number two, and again, the the vintage sounding punched in the teeth by love at number three. Definitely uh, three three good tracks in in my opinion. And actually, right now, let's get into that one song. This is punched in the teeth by love by Motley Crue from two thousand.
what you just heard was a little Motley Crew here on Talking Metal. I have been joined by Chris from the Decibel Geek podcast. Chris, thank you so much for, for speaking with us here on Talking Metal today. And where is the best place people can uh, get in touch with you online? Uh, probably Facebook. Uh, right. That's the easiest way. If you want to email me, uh, I'm us- best email NashvilleRock at live.com. But uh, Facebook's really the, the main place that I hang out all the time. Very good. And, of course, Decibel Geek, available at all your regular podcasting outlets, iTunes, and where, where else? Stitcher? What yeah, other? Uh, gosh, all the apps that you could possibly yeah. imagine. And then we have a we have a pretty thriving YouTube channel these days. And I've cool. got a guy, a guy named Rockin' Ron out in Denver who, this guy goes, I swear, all of our contributors have way more of a life than Aaron or I do. <laughs> they they yeah. go to all of these festival shows and get all these cool videos and interviews, but uh, we're just lucky to have them on board. Awesome. Cool. Cool. We'll link that uh, YouTube page and the the main website through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And guys, let's really try to get out to Nashville on August 26th for the rock and pod expo is there a general site i know i know the answer to is this but what's the general site for the the rock and pod expo uh just nashville rock the letter n pod expo.com and that's got it that's got the link to the gofundme that's got the newest updates to who's being added and new announcements and there's gonna be a lot coming really soon i've got more guests to announce really soon awesome cool we'll keep us posted on that and uh yeah chris we'll see you in nashville on august 26th can't wait man looking forward to it all right big thanks to chris from decibel geek podcast for organizing the rock and pod expo on august 26th please go and even if you can just donate five dollars to that gofundme page uh, that is helpful that's what's gonna help put this pod this uh convention and expo uh it's gonna give us the funds we need to make it happen again we have two openings still i can't believe we've only sold one of the ah. three openings for a guest host guest producer you, you get to come on the episode and host it with us and you don't even have to go to the uh to the expo right. you, if you make a pledge on that gofundme page just send me an email and say hey i pledged 75 bucks uh, i'm not going to be able to make the expo and we'll just record it on Skype, just like John and I are doing right now. You know, so um, yep. let's let, we got two opportunities for Talking Metal listeners, basically, to take over this show. And it's seventy five bucks. John and I don't get a cent of that. It's going straight into the. It's the going fund. straight to the uh, alcohol and, rehabilitation. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Rock and Pod <laughs> Expo Fund. And now Emily and I will definitely be there, John. Are you? I am going to be there. You're I'm, go. Okay. I'm, All right. Great. I'm great. Going. Cool. Cool. I am. I am psyched. <laughs> hey. There's a there's a, a girl on Facebook who's arranging rooms for the the podcasters. So if you need oh. me to get you in touch with her, yeah. Yeah, that would be great if you could do that because yeah, I definitely want to be in the main hotel and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, okay, yeah. If you can uh, put me in touch with her, that would be great. I'll get that set up tomorrow or over the weekend. Cool. Cool. Well, all right, John. It's always great catching up with you on the podcast here. Big thanks to Terry from Great White, Chris from Decibel Geek. And let's get out there to Nashville. Let's support the Rock and Pod Expo. And really, anything you can contribute, two two bucks, five bucks, 
just go do it. Give a uh, give a donation to that GoFundMe page. It's linked through today's show notes. And I had somebody text me and uh, tweet me, and they were like, "You always talk about the show notes. What does that spo- What does that mean?" You know, and I guess people don't go to websites like they used to. Everything's like, you know, social media and they get the podcast through iTunes. I, I really encourage you guys to go to TalkingMetal.com. It reads great on your phone. We had it re- refitted so it right now when you pull it up on your phone, it fits right to your iPhone or Android screen. And we always post pictures. There's all sorts of uh, additional info about the episode and the show notes for this episode. Again, you go to TalkingMetal.com, go into the Talking Metal section, and you'll find it there. This, I believe, I want to say this is 676. I think that's the episode number. So you'll see it right in there on TalkingMetal.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you in yeah, It's so great, Mark. That uh, the site looks great on phones. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, doing that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Definitely, definitely. Cool. And it's like you're going to be there, John. I know the week before Nashville, you're you're out with Ace, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll be in Las Vegas uh, uh, with Ace and uh, at, a, at a festival site. Yeah, King Diamond will be there. Uh, that will be very, very cool. And uh, yeah, so it, it's crazy. Um, uh, you know what? Yeah, I've got like so much stuff going on. I know you always have like to check your calendar because you always got so many things going on. And I'm getting like that now too. Like I, I just today had to like write everything down like on a calendar so I can see like what's going on because so, it, I, I was even starting to get confused. So do you, do you use like a, a online calendar or you, you write it down? I, I, w- I, I was doing it. I mean, I, I typed it in, but yeah, like in uh, like an Outlook, Microsoft oh, okay. Outlook. I was calendar. picturing you yeah. with this like old like yeah, you know. <laughs> That's what I do. Calendar. <laughs> you know, you, I you normally do that. And then you got to go check your MySpace page, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was so into MySpace. Remember, I was talking about that. That that girl died over on MySpace, yeah. but. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I'm not laughing at the girl dying. I'm laughing at MySpace. Yeah, yeah this is that. just so random, but we'll end on this. Uh, Bono, who I saw you two last night, gave a shout-out to Tom Freston from the stage that is in so front of cool. 65,000 people at, at MetLife Giant Stadium. And Tom okay. Freston was the great founder of MTV who was fired by Summoner Redstone in 2006, I believe, for not – Buying Summoner Redstone was the uh, the owner of Viacom, which owned MTV, and and Tom Freston was fired because Summoner Redstone was so upset that Tom Freston did not buy MySpace. Now they wanted wow. like, they wanted like like nine hundred million dollars for MySpace, and Tom Freston didn't didn't buy it, so he was fired. And guess what? MySpace went broke yep. and ended up being sold in 2011 for $24 million after wow. Rupert Murdoch had paid $900 million for it. So maybe uh, Tom Freston wasn't, wasn't uh, you know, as, as dumb as uh, Summoner Redstone thought for not <laughs> buying MySpace. Yeah, he, he had a vision and it was correct. Don't yeah. buy MySpace. Yeah. 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 So funny. Is anybody even – so it still exists. MySpace still exists. Oh, I, I mean, I, I mean, that's what my question was. Does it still exist? I, you know, I I think it's up in some sort of format because maybe like a year or two ago, there were some talking metal pictures that I 
I was looking for and I couldn't find them on any hard drives and I ended up googling the 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 like I forget what it was and I found them and they were on some like thing that that appeared to be our old MySpace page but it looked huh. like way different but uh, some of the photos were still there and I was able to 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 pull them down off of that so I I don't wow. know it's a good, good Yeah, so question. I just went to MySpace right now. It looks like a website. It, it doesn't even um I don't even know if you can I guess you could get on there and still do a profile. It's weird. Yeah, it's definitely uh different. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm looking at it too. Uh, I wonder if I still have a page. Yeah, it's weird. MySpace. But I was totally into MySpace. Now fa- I'm obsessed with Facebook. It's it's like slightly um alarming to me that you know, I'm alarming myself because I am on Facebook every second of the day. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, not really while I'm at work, but um, <clears throat> I mean, not at all while I'm at work. I, I'm not one of these pe- <laughs> people that's like, you know, <laughs> you know, that's like doing it every second. But like, like let's say I'm like on the, the ferry coming in or if I'm on the train or wherever I am. I'm looking at MySpace. I'm, I'm laying in bed. I'm looking. I mean, not MySpace, Facebook. And I'm, you know, I'm constantly seeing what's what other people are up to and you know who took their dog out for a walk, or who, uh, you know, did this or that. And um, by the way, it's myspace.com. Uh, it's it's wacky. Talking metal, myspace.com slash talking metal, and I'm there right now. Oh. And there are all sorts of vintage photos up of of us. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go to it right now. Great stuff. Oh, there's myself with a metal nurse. Remember her? Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Some shots with us, Ozzy Osbourne, Jack Frost. Yeah. yeah. There's some, actually, there's a ton of like, photos up here on my uh, yeah. we got to go save all these. Just tons, <laughs> tons of photos. You and Axel. <laughs> yeah. I see the, us and Bam Margera. Uh, Me with Lon Friend out in, in L.A. at a sushi restaurant. You you and Ace of vintage photo yeah Marie right 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 moment. wow there's tons dude there's like there's like <laughs> there's like just dozens and dozens of photos up that's great everybody go check that out oh they have captions and everything like like if you if you put your mouse like you know your cursor on it um you'll see uh like piazzas there's <laughs> 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 all sorts of stuff eddie a, a very yeah, chubby I, eddie trunk i mean he's he's definitely Less less weight on them nowadays. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there's great uh, photos. On yeah, our lots MySpace of great photos. Page, which I'll have linked through today's show notes on <laughs> talkingmetal.com. All right. Yeah, well, show notes. Everybody go uh, to talkingmetal.com, and then you too can uh, link. Now, and, and Mark, you you put a lot into these show notes. You 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 know the it, it's sort of like when you're reading the liner notes of uh, uh, while listening to songs, which uh, like on records, like what what we all used to do when we used to buy actual vinyl records, um, that's sort of like this is the companion to the podcast. Right. So it's, it's good, cool it's to go note. to it and check it out. Absolutely. And we post news every day. There's new news going up there. So definitely check out TalkingMetal.com on a daily basis. And I was going to say one other thing about the website. Oh, and, and you know what? Leave us a message. Too. We have the Talking Metal Hotline is open. That number, I got to pull it up, is 973 757 1917. 973 757 1917. Cool. All right, John. Okay, thanks, Mark. Thank you, listeners. Uh, 
Oh, there's a picture of me and the naked cowgirl. I I, 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 she's not associated, I don't think, with the naked cowboy. Like, oh, oh did I tell you that uh, I'm, I'm now real good? Page, which is, yeah. again, myspace.com yeah. <laughs> slash talking metal. Hey, um, my friend Kenny is the naked cowboy's brother, and uh, Kenny is a, is a huge metal fan. Uh, we should get him on the podcast sometime. Um I don't know if people uh, know the Naked Cowboy. There's a guy oh, okay. yeah. who they probably do. He's kind of like iconic. He's like in the middle of Times Square. There's this guy who plays acoustic guitar and he wears a cowboy hat and his underwear. And they call him yeah. the, the Naked Cowboy. And then there's there were numerous Naked Cowgirls, which kind of did a similar thing. Um, and yeah, now that the Naked Cowboy kind of has like an official franchise. So there are a few people who go out and they're like bootleg Naked Cowboys or Cowgirls. But usually not a cowboy anymore. He's he's got that like locked in, uh, and sometimes uh, there's another guy that or other different people that are naked cowboys or or a naked cowgirl, and they're they're like associated with his franchise or, or whatever it's called. But he's he's a really cool guy too. His name is Rob. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm good friends now with his brother Kenny, and uh, uh, him and his wife are over at the uh, Silver Spacecraft checking out the stuff. Uh, these guys are uh, big Ace fans, big Maiden fans. Kenny was actually the drummer of an Iron Maiden tribute band. So, uh, uh, cool. very, very cool. All right, well, let's, let's, okay, guys. Know, let's end with Thank some you. Maiden. I'm going to see these guys again on July 22nd. Hope to see Jerry yeah, from Long concert. Island out there. And, yeah, let's end with... Uh, Let's end with this one. This was uh, in the set list when I saw him last in New Jersey with John and, and Emily. This is Wrathchild. Child. 